Welcome to the Savvy Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Mood. And I'm your host, Suma. And on today's episode, we have a special, special guest, Mr. Davis Willems. Now, uh, we'll let him introduce himself in a bit, but I guess I could give a little bit of an introduction, if I may. Mr. Davis is a software developer living currently in the UK, and he's lived quite an interesting life. But the main focus of the episode will be about a project he created and how he used everyday technology to create something beautiful. Mr. Davis is a cyclist. Now, every day he gets out of his home to go to work on a bicycle. That could be seen as an everyday mundane activity. But what he did was that every day he took a different route to work. After five years, he managed to draw an entire grid of London using only his bicycle. Yes, and uh, in the end, uh, he animated the whole map and posted this on Reddit. That's where we discovered him. Well, without further ado, enjoy the interview. And before further ado, I will say, I apologize in advance for the audio (laughs) quality. Let's just say we had some technical difficulties, which are solved now. And we promise the next episodes will have better sound quality. Well, maybe promise is a strong word. Ah, let's just stop. Let's just stop. So, uh, I think uh, we'll start with uh, basically talking about your... uh, background yeah in especially in tech but uh, personally uh, I've always wanted to go into tech that's been my dream since I was a little kid and uh, yeah. when I've talked to people who are in the field that seems to be how most of them got into it from a very young age would you consider that uh, like does it apply to you uh, yeah I would say that yeah it totally applies but uh, I was raised in uh, deep countryside in Latvia, so milking cows and uh, and doing all the country work, whatever you can imagine. Uh, spend a lot of time in fields and uh, yeah, throughout the summers uh, and grew up in country school. But uh, when I saw computers on early days, uh, that fascinated me that you can do something with a screen and a keyboard and some. Other uh, things that this case, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm when, very sorry. It's when was this? Uh, yeah. when, when when was were you first introduced to computers, basically? I I would say it was uh, late uh, 1990s. Uh, yeah, 1998, 1999. That's about the time when there was in my school where we were like about 130 people and we had three computers. Uh, so the school decided to open like a computer club and I happily joined and I, as soon as I was able to because I was I've seen computers on in television so I knew that they existed so I uh, when I had first chance to get my hands on them I, I really wanted to explore that area mm-hmm. that's really cool and uh, like during school uh would you say uh, you plan to go to college for uh, computers, or uh, were you just generally interested in them without any like uh, large-scale future plans? 
Oh, no, no, I was quite interested. I was an active member on that computer club and in our local computer Olympics, I got like regional uh, good awards. Like uh, I got awesome. like first place in one of the years uh, within local region. I don't even know how to compare it, but in my area, there, there was like, I, I got the prizes for that. So yeah, I was interested in computer science overall. Uh, and those kind of things. And uh, as soon as I uh, left my uh, primary school, uh, there was we, in Latvia we have uh, like a program where you can have a uh, high school mixed together with some sort of profession. And apply, yeah. I applied for that. So and profession was computer science. So I got a four-year program like high school together with basic computer science. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I. Actually, my only graduated degree. Yeah, after that, uh, when I got that degree after high school, what was mixed with technical knowledge, uh, I applied for my first computer uh, job as a junior web developer. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, very small uh, computer development agency called uh, Scandiweb, what is currently grew quite much. Yeah, now now they're like. 250 people, but when I joined it, there's wow. only five people. There were, yeah, there were only five members, team members, when I joined that company. So it was early days, and it was fascinating, Just fascinating to see the the company growing. As a growing up in a small countryside, I I had a dream about the big cities, and and usually most of the people over there kind of not very interested in that kind. They look like they look there for their lives within the area, but I was, I wanted to see the world because I, I saw that on television, so I just just wanted to get there. I mean, that's a that's as good as reason as any to <laughs> to move to London. Uh, but let me ask you this: How old were you when you moved to London, and when was it? Uh, I was working. Uh, uh, as computer programmer in Scandinavia for five years and also studying in university for five years, but I didn't finish. Uh, but uh, then when I was 25, I decided that I want to move to London and uh, proceed with my career and just open up a new page in my life. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Did you move to London with a job already set uh, up? Or uh, did yes. you uh, go and look for a job after you moved? Uh, my previous uh, like uh, workplace, Scandiweb, uh, found a job for me. Like uh, they, I was like a dedicated computer programmer for one other company, uh, but I was still working with my previous company uh, in Latvia. So physically, I was in London because I really wanted, and they just find their uh, the, their clients who who needed somebody in house. So that's that. Uh, those were my first steps in London, and uh, later on, uh, our paths split a little bit, and I I decided to find, I found my own <laughs> job. Very cool. Uh, where did where do you work now? I work in advertising agency. And uh, what kind of work do you do? That's mostly just web development and different kind of PHP, JavaScript, HTML, uh, CSS, and lot of operations what I can call and anything what you can mix with those things and it's quite vast field and fastly growing it and you have 
to always be like learning something new. It's yeah, a very sense field. Especially web development. It's one of the yes, fastest yeah. growing fields inside of tech in general. Indeed, yeah. I've been in this industry already for 12 years, so I, I've seen it completely change. So basically you learn something and then after three years you have to throw it all away because something new came along. Yes. yes, especially the fact that you're a full-stack web developer. I mean, you must have a lot to learn. Oh, yes, yes. You have to know uh, a bit of everything, and that's uh, that's a good thing you know, from one perspective, because I really enjoy that vastness and the perspectives that I can see. But I wouldn't call me as an expert on any of those, uh, but uh, at least... If I need to crack on, I, I think I can assemble parts from all of those fields. And uh, that's actually yeah. like a really important feature in a project manager or a, or a project lead, the ability to uh, understand all the different aspects of the project, am I right? Yeah, that, that is very important for those professions, but I'm not very big fan of uh, being uh, forced to interact with people and <laughs> I kind of like to work on my own and that's why I'm not really looking for, for project manager roles and I need, I like the coding itself. I don't want that to be taken away from me. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're both kind of the same. Like uh, like us here and you are all like not people people, even though we're running a podcast. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, even now I'm having conversations with you. I am open for <laughs> conversation. Just because I know that it's coming, I, I don't like to be interrupted. I don't want to like have a lot of hot calls and yeah, yeah. unexpected occurrences. I think uh, I'll ask one more question about web development, and that is, uh, what's your favorite technology stack? If you were to create a new project and uh, be able to recruit a team, uh, right now, what would be the technology stack that you would recruit for? So, going for a safe or or uh, exciting route, what would you? Uh, mm, give us both aspects. <laughs> I think um, I think one of one of each. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, if I would be adventurous and the field that I've not very confident in yet, even though no, it's very fastly growing, is some sort of React stack uh, combination with Webpack and uh, building some sort of web applications. I haven't built uh, like a full-fledged, uh, uh, very uh, good <laughs> React application, so I, I, I want to grow in that area. But if yeah. I want to go for a safe route where I feel confident, that would be some sort of LAMP stack, also including Webpack because it's awesome for some sort of WordPress site, which is extended with some sort of plugins and customized themes. Well, my own built custom themes. Nice, nice. That is a really good stack, I gotta say. And the best thing about uh, working with React at the moment is, I think, the ability to, like, uh, later on, turn it into an app using React Native without yes, too I, much pain. There is yeah, something, I, but not too I, much. I know that that's a, that's a whole world. I, I need to explore it more. I didn't, I haven't had enough time because lately I had a lot of WordPress projects coming in and. I, I feel like a gap in my knowledge within any, everything React. Like we, uh, we're on the same page. <laughs> we're also planning a transition into a React-based uh, stack. 
but it's just not, ha it hasn't happened yet. And I'm not yeah. sure exactly when it's going to happen. I hope React is still cool by the time we do it. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was already a few years ago, uh, like uh, the same problem with uh, with you. Now, don't know what what go which part is going part is going to take either Amber or Angular, and then React came along, and everybody everybody just moved there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, we we work in Angular, and uh, Angular is fun to work with, and it's cool and everything, but. It's not React. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's looking for React right now, so we're we're hopefully gonna make the transition this year, but uh, we'll have to see. Ah, cool. Well, uh, let's move on to the, the main thing, thing yeah. that we would like to talk to you about, which is uh, all the streets. All the streets project. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and first of all, let me tell you how impressive that is. I mean, I was I was mind blown when I discovered that. I just I instantly shared the post with Mood, and I told him we need to talk to this guy. So congratulations on that. First of oh, all, thank you, thank you. I I appreciate that. So let's start with yeah, like let's start with basically just a background about the project? Uh, so, well, how everything started. Uh, I enjoy cycling and I used to cycle in, London, uh, in Riga where I grew up uh, and well, when I spend a lot of my study time, studying time, even though the infrastructure and traffic is not very safe for cyclists. But when I moved to London, this is much better city for that. And while I was cycling the same route to my office, I kind of felt a little bit bored and I am quite curious. I like to cycle around, see different places, but I just wanted to buy a map and just color it all the streets that I have visited until then. And I usually turn on my navigation, so at least I have a digital backup for the places where I, what I've visited. Uh, so yeah, I have a proof, at least digital proof, that I've been in those all, all of those areas. And I, I started just coloring in the map. And uh, as soon as I started doing that, I felt a, uh, a need to color even more streets. And the only way, how can I do it, was just going to those streets and recording those uh, tracks. And that's how it kind of escalated, naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that that seems like a steady escalation, but at the same time, a massive like uh, like the the whole thing as a whole is a massive uh, accomplishment. But I can see how you slowly like uh, scraped away at the problem until you eventually reached this like uh, like accomplishment. Yeah. When I when I started it, I wasn't really sure what am I what am I going to do with it, all of the data that I'm collecting. I knew that storing that and just collecting that is very important. And uh, this, if it's digital, I can crack on and do something with that. So I purchased uh, a rectangular map that I decided to color in all of those streets that I uh, visited. And uh, yeah, so it is gradually expanding from that point because I saw that I can fill it all in. And uh, it was hugely dependent on the weather. And uh, sometimes my 
uh, route took even two hours just to get to the office, even the, if the usual route. Wow. The shortest one is like 25 minutes. Uh, actually, that, that brings me to the next question. How early did you have to get up for work if you crossed this many streets? I mean, did you plan your route before going to work and based on your route, you would wake up before that? Uh, you, uh, it, would, it would basically uh, determine how early you would wake up? Uh, yes, actually, <laughs> that's true. I, I start work at 10. So it's quite late for most of the people. Uh, and, but I'm quite a morning person, so it's not that hard for me to wake up earlier. And uh, usually I wake up at 6 or 7, and uh, I, I just don't know what to do with that time. So it, it's a good way <laughs> I can spend that. That sounds very awesome, to be honest. Well, uh, were you ever late to work because of a route that you took? And then you uh, got lost on the way or something? Uh, that was one of the, my rules, personally, to just to get always on time in the office, uh, however, whatever is the route. Well, I, I, I had very, I have still very good feel of the streets and uh, the distances. So wherever I am, I kind of know how much time from that particular point is going to take me to get to the back to the office. So if I am uh, somewhere, uh, <laughs> if I'm too far, I can feel that uh, that I have to go back. Uh, or if my tire gets punctured, I I'm gonna have to uh, change my plans. And yeah, there were some occasions that uh, changed that, but I'm gonna carry on next day anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, I, I would say that uh, 99, 98% of the time I was on time in the office. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I use the same exact route for work every single day, and like I still can't nail it 98% of the time. And we get there by car. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. That's the thing. If you are driving like with a car, you are usually dependent on traffic. What's kind, what kind of situation is going to be around you? But walking and cycling it gives me the freedom that I'm in control of the time. Even public transportation doesn't give you that because there can be a lot of things happening around stations and right. everywhere. But if I am walking and cycling, I know that everything, like the time is dependent on me. How, how fast I, am I going to go? That's, that's how fast I'm going to reach the destination. Mm -hmm. Very nice, very now, nice. Now you mentioned something, uh, a punctured tire. Uh, cycling is one of the more dangerous ways to uh, cross a city, unfortunately, these days. Even one that is, uh, like, it has, uh, like, London does have uh, bike lanes and it does have certain things to help uh, bike uh, bikers, I guess, uh, cyclists. Yeah. But uh, it's still not 100% uh, safe. So have there been yeah. any close calls or dangerous, uh, I don't know, dangerous occurrences? Yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, that's true about London, that uh, not everything is completely safe. And I've cycled in uh, Germany and the uh, Netherlands, and I can assure that cycling on those uh, countries is much safer. But I, I grew, spent a lot of time in Riga, uh, where, what is Eastern Europe, and their cars drive even faster than London. And uh, their 
drivers do not anticipate any cyclists on the street. So basically you're on your own. There's no infrastructure, no nothing, and uh, you're just try- fighting for your survival. <laughs> but if you really love doing that, you you kind of get around, and I kind of uh, also you develop this instinct uh, that cars are near, or or you know how to behave on the street, not to uh, upset anyone, and just just to get get along. Because even there are drivers, nobody's trying to intentionally attack or anything like that. It's just you have to be aware of the surroundings, and the same thing applies to London. It's safer. The cars drive a little slower, and also drivers kind of know that they're cyclists on the street, so it's not surprised for them. Oh, there's a cyclist. No, it's it's a normal thing, uh, and uh, yeah, there are bike lines, but uh, there are a lot of places where they're not. But it's it's kind of expected and it's safer. But unfortunately, there are few casualties every year on London streets, and and uh, that's also uh, majority of fault, of course, is uh, to the drivers who are not aware about uh, other less uh, less safe members of the traffic. But uh, but also uh, cyclists should be kind of aware that these things can happen even if uh, they're legally right it doesn't uh, uh, mean that uh, they don't have to think about their own safety and do you think uh, it would help as a safety procedure to wear a bike helmet do you wear a bike helmet when cycling reflective uh, yeah I, 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 I wear I, I wear a reflective vest and bike helmet no they're not legally required but uh, I think anything that can little bit increase my safety on the streets it's worth it even if it doesn't really bother it doesn't take anything away from my experience it's just I feel unsafer if I cycle without helmet, even though I I, I think statistically it doesn't matter that much, but uh, I kind of feel that already. Yeah, I uh, plus when it rains, you know, it's it's not that bad to have something on your head protecting you. Yes, yes, even like a few branches. Sometimes if I'm driving through a park and there are some lower branches, just smash your uh, touches your helmet uh, but it would be much uh, harder if uh, much worse if it would touch my eye for example oh yes oh yeah <laughs> um, uh, speaking of which were there some days where you just couldn't take your bicycle to work for example bad weather days days uh, on which you didn't feel very uh, good health wise uh, well occasionally but uh, not not that many. Yeah, yeah. There there is a good public transportation system around as well, so I can get around, uh, and it's not not affecting that much. But uh, yeah, there there were a few days, but uh, and uh, that visualization also doesn't represent every single day. It was just days when I was record dedicated to record for the map. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for answering all of these. Uh, I would like to move on to uh, the the app which you used to uh, draw the map grid. Endomondo, yes. right? It's, it's just a tracking. Uh, it's just a tracking tool, like Strava, like some other apps, but just 
records workouts and uh, yeah, it's just the workout uh, recordings, nothing much else, just geography data where you've been and uh, what distance, what you covered and what the altitude of the place is where you go. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it doesn't only record workouts, it records the locations on which oh, yes. you work out. Yeah, if my GPS is on. So, yeah, that was a crucial point. Uh, I, I needed to record that I'm physically in the street and uh, uh, and the Mondo give me that. Mm-hmm. So, you and, use the uh, GPS data uh, from Endomondo. Uh, can you yes. tell us about the process of, uh, of uh, basically uh, exporting the data and using it to generate the, the visualization? Uh, so, uh, the process was I had to go to Endomondo's site and uh, write a little JavaScript uh, that downloads all the GPX files from uh, from Endomondo directly. And uh, I used the browser extension that gave me ability to just expand the, uh, the functionality of the site. There is the ability to download the individual uh, ride, but I needed to get all of them, and there were like 1,200 rides. So... Little script helped, uh, and I had to just watch how my computer is automatically picking up the next uh, element and uh, you, taking the ID and downloading uh, the file on my computer. So I had like 1,200 uh, documents, GPX files. Uh, wow. Next step was converting into CSV files, which was useful for the uh, that app what helped me generate the animation QGIS 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 uh, how, how to pronounce it or something like that <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I I needed to write another script uh, that automatically converted and merge all the data from uh, uh, from those GPX files into one single CSV file and that was uh, 38 megabytes <laughs> heavy and yes it's quite quite a lot of data and then I imported everything into QGIS and uh, there are few options in that application that uh, give me this uh, result uh, I kind of at that point I kind of knew where I'm going that I wanted to have a map that uh, that kind of shows every path that I'm taking like on a fly throughout these years. Uh, that's that's how I kind of imagined and I was looking for the ways how to can ex- execute that. Did you have experience in recording data before uh, recording your uh, cycling routes? Or generating these uh, visualizations? Yes. Uh, have you done anything like uh, this? Well, recording cycling data, well, I had experience in, also in Latvia. I, I kind of liked drawing uh, and drawing like uh, drawings on the map uh, using my si- bicycle and I knew that I can just record my route uh, using the same Endomundo app, it's quite old app, and just enable your workout and uh, start riding where you need and that you have to plan your route beforehand. Uh, yeah, so recording that is not complicated. The, it, this, the challenge was how to use the data in a way how you want to display. But animating was completely new field for me. I I didn't know nothing about it, and uh, I that was that was interesting. Uh, the way 
how to find how to find how to breathe life into that. Yes, uh, was well, it a complex process? You would say. Well, it wasn't really straightforward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> complex. It depends of your confidence level and knowledge and the will to to dig through the answers and to look for in in internet and uh, yeah. It, I, I would say it, it was fairly complicated, but there were few people who wrote few interesting blog posts that helped uh, and assembling these bits of knowledge gave me the result. Yeah, blog posts are really amazing nowadays, medium especially. I'm pretty much addicted to it. Uh, yeah, sometimes I feel ashamed that I'm not writing something like that and uh, giving my knowledge away, and but I'm really... Uh, grateful for anybody who does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are too, trust me. We're both junior developers and we we look into a lot of blog posts to solve a lot of errors. <laughs> yeah, and Stack Overflow. Uh, yes, Stack Overflow especially, definitely. Yeah. But uh, larger, uh, larger things uh, or larger goals, like uh, for example, a while back I had to implement a small machine learning algorithm to, uh, for uh, facial yeah. detection. And uh, I basically just followed one blog post all the way through and just did it. Before that, I knew literally nothing about it. I absolutely understand. It was a similar experience with this uh, this uh, application and execution. I didn't know nothing about it. It was uh, more exploratory. And if you're a programmer, you kind of know that uh, that everything is solvable, just uh, how much time you're going to spend on digging up the ways. Absolutely yep. I right. was about to actually mention how that's a very like programmer mindset or mentality of viewing the issue, which is that I don't understand this, but with a few Google searches, I can do it. Yeah. Yes, yes. You, you, you see the puzzle pieces. You, you see that there are a few like, uh, missing pieces that uh, you know that... I, I'm at that state, I have that sort of input, and I have some required output, and then you're just trying to fill the gap. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. Well, Mr. Vellums, uh, what would you recommend anyone who would like to uh, try your experience? Uh, just start now. <laughs> Do you think you would have anything to say to someone just to make the process easier on them? I, I don't really know. Uh, it, it, it grew naturally, so I, I feel like all the pieces were necessary, but uh, uh, anyway, all of the, the same result could be happening in different way if, you do. if somebody yeah. does in you know, a takes a different approach. The, the goal may be similar, but uh, it's also the exploration of that is part of adventure. Uh, and uh, yeah, the most importantly uh, factor is that you have the data. So if you are turning on your workout app, either it's Strava or Endomondo or anything else that gives you ability to explore the data. As soon as there is that data somewhere, you can figure it out what to do with that later, just as long as you have it. You're right, you're right. The, the important thing is to to just cycle around and, <laughs> and Start do, gathering yeah, gathering data. I, I mean, sorry, I, I meant documenting the data 
or data, yeah. I guess, would be the easier part. <laughs> yes. And yes. then later on, you can you can figure out what, what you have and what you can do with this. Uh -huh. Well, do you plan on continuing to expand the map? Uh, yes, in a way, I I'm still doing that. Even today, I had like three hour cycle ride uh, wow. because uh, uh, yeah, now uh, the, all the central part of London is uh, is seen. I've been everywhere. It's kind of boring already for me, so I have to go further outskirts uh, just to experience a little bit more place places that I haven't been. I think this novelty of uh, cycling and uh, seeing the areas that I where I haven't been is also uh, really creatively fulfilling for me. And uh, if people are uh, concerned about security because there are, could be some uh, sketchy neighborhoods, uh, it's fine in the morning because I think usually the evenings are the dangerous part, but in the mornings it's kind of feel fine in any area. I don't feel threatened in the mornings. Uh, and uh, I'm also quite fast on a bicycle, so if anything, <laughs> get, a, get away from that area quickly. <laughs> well, your friends must must go to you all the time to be recommended new places. I mean, you must know about all the cool, hidden, hip places in London, right? Whenever someone is visiting me, uh, yeah, I have few already built maps uh, of the places where what I enjoy the most. But so some of them are like locally enjoyable. If I live in the city, I know these places around. It's just uh, some sort of ancient gravestone will be much more interesting for me than uh, for somebody who is coming to London just to see the Big Ben or just the usual tourist spot. So I know that it's quite specific for uh, interests. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I have a map of the my favorite bits, uh, just a Google map where I just drop a few places, but I yeah, kind of am interested to see pictures. them again. And uh, I've seen a lot of your pictures, and you have a future in photography as well. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are really yeah, nice. It's, it's usually dependent on the phone, because I don't want to have like another thing uh, to carry around, so I just take all the pictures with my phone. And what while I'm cycling, sometimes I, I'm recording also with my GoPro, so at least I, I have some timeless videos. Uh, what is your phone brand? I, I currently I have Huawei uh, P30 Pro. That phone has a great camera. Exactly. <laughs> that, the the that, main that reason why I purchased the, the definition of some of the pictures. I really thought you were using an actual camera, like a DSLR. It's amazing. Yeah, this yeah. encouraged me to move on from iPhone. Well, uh, do you have any more questions? No, uh, I would just like to thank you, Mr. Willems, for talking to us. Uh, it's honestly been a pleasure. Uh, let me tell you that you're also an awesome person. It's not just an awesome project, but you're an awesome person to talk to. And uh, well, yeah, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, yeah, and as, as web well. developers, we really felt like we could relate to you. That's why we were extra excited to speak with you today. Yeah, and uh, really uh, inspiring stuff to be able to just have a project that goes on for multiple years, a personal project. It's really inspiring, especially for development. Thank you, thank you. I, I, I'm happy that I can inspire and just spark joy in anyone who 
is looking for this because I was selfish. I was look, just looking for personal joy, but if it can bring joy to somebody else, it, it just makes it even better. And I'm very happy, happy for that. Well, that was the end of our interview with Mr. Davis. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Follow us on uh, Twitter, at SavvyTechPod. And uh, retweet our tweets, like them, talk to us. We love talking to you guys. If you have any questions and or any notes or any ideas, do not hesitate to share them with us. Yeah, for example, if you have an idea for a specific subject we should tackle, or maybe a specific guest, somebody with a certain project that's super interesting to you, we would really love to listen to their uh, story and, you know, share it with the world. Yeah, even if you have, like, a weird project that you would like to talk about, perhaps we would look into that. (laughs) Yep. See you guys next time, and as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.